Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Full Slate Pick'em Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire, the Action Network, and Monkey Night Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, this is the biggest week we've been waiting for this. Yeah, I would say this is probably my favorite pod we do of the year, other than the preview leading up to the NFL season. Just looking at all the props that are offered, it's like candy wall at a supermarket, so many options. It's a bit overwhelming, but it's also exciting. So I'm, I'm ready to give out some winners. Yeah, me too. And I do feel like, not to toot our own horn here, but I feel like our hit percentage on Super Bowl props, we're normally pretty good at this. So during the course of the NFL season, you know, we'll have some ups and downs, but we've got a full menu to choose from here. I feel like it's easier to snipe off some winners, knock on wood. Yeah, last year was a little different with the 49ers in it, so that obviously was painful, and we had some bias there. But as far as the props go, I do agree with you. I think we've done well. Famously, the first year when we did this with the Rams-Patriots one, I gave out Edelman as a great MVP bet. I didn't take him myself. That mm-hmm. ended up hitting. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like we see the board pretty well here. also feel like I know there's always two weeks off or a week off between the Super Bowl and championship games. This year feels like so long since we last had a football game. I also feel like that's probably because of COVID and they can't have the normal 
Super Bowl week with the normal media day, so there's not all the attention around it. So definitely feels weird, but I'm excited for the game. Yeah, yeah, less less coverage for sure. I think the same thing with me. Last year I gave out Juszczyk either first touchdown and any time touchdown, and he had any time touchdown, and I didn't even bet it. So that was cool too. So it's important to bet, bet all the winners you're going to give out in this show. But before we get into the Super Bowl, Let's uh, quickly hit on this Matt Stafford, Jared Goff trade. A blockbuster went down. Jared Goff has been dragged on these airwaves many a times, especially this season. So the Detroit Lions sent Stafford to the Rams in exchange for the Rams' first-round draft picks in 2022-23, a third-round pick in 2021, and Jared Goff. So the... The Rams essentially will have to pay for Goff's contract in 2021, which is a $22 million hit to their cap, and then they'll pick up basically the two remaining years on Stafford's contract, which is two years, $43 million. So Tyler McVay obviously moves on from Goff. There were murmurs that uh, he wasn't thrilled with Goff's performance this year. What are your thoughts on this trade? They gave up a lot to move off from Jared Goff. It's just wild to see a trade like this in the NFL. Just even two players in general, you really never see it. And then two quarterbacks who are the number one picks. I'm sure it's the first time in NFL history that we've had a trade, including two number one picks being swapped, especially at the quarterback position. So it's crazy to see this happen in the NFL. And I know we obviously saw the Super Bowl, but this offseason there's going to be a ton of movement with quarterbacks, it feels like. Who knows what the 49ers are going to do. The Jets, Deshaun Watson still out there. There's a lot of unanswered questions, and it feels like this is the tip of the iceberg. When this first came through, I was I was feeling pretty shitty about it as a 49er fan because, like, Goff was so bad last year. That defense was awesome. All they really needed was above-average quarterback play, and you got to think Stafford is going to give them that, right? He's been, you know, held down in Detroit for his whole career. Terrible run game, terrible defense, pretty bad coaching for the most part. So you'd think going to the Rams, it's going to be a slam dunk. If you've listened to Dan Orvlovsky, you would think, and you've never watched football before, you would think Matt Stafford is the second coming of Tom Brady, the way he talks about him, but I think they're just good friends. They're friends, yeah. So I've, I've come down a little bit on it since the initial reaction. I saw someone make a comparison. Obviously, we were younger when this happened, but when Jay Collar got traded to Den- or from Denver to the Bears, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, he puts up good stats, he doesn't win, but it's because of the bad defense. And we're hearing the same thing with Stafford. It's time to prove it. We'll see how good he is. You know, for McVay, we'll see how good of a coach he is, if golf was really the issue with this team the last year or two. Um, but if Stafford is as good as people are hyping him up to be, this team should be pretty great for the next year or two. Yeah, I mean, one other note, too, on the trade before we get into that. So Stafford's going to – his $18 million for 2021, the Lions will pay for that. But then Detroit will inherit – there's $107 million left on Goff's deal, four-year contract, but none of that's guaranteed. So essentially Detroit has a one-year option on Jared Goff if they want it. Um, and, and can kind of go from there. I mean, so Stafford, they had the one playoff. He's never won a playoff game. They made it the one year. He's had a fair share of, like, quality wide receivers there. Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, more recently with Kenny Galladay. He's always put up stats, but it's never amounted to anything. I don't think he's ever had a great head coach there in Detroit or defense, obviously, which is noteworthy. 
on paper, I think if we're like week one, Madden, oh, this Rams team, it's going to look sexy, right? You have Stafford at quarterback. You have their trio of wide receivers. You have Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey playing cornerback. But the reality of the NFL is, and maybe we're overly sensitive to it to, because of the way the 49ers were ravaged by injuries, but injuries happen. And this Rams team, even this past year, they were, again, didn't have a lot of depth. But it worked until it didn't at the end of the season when they had some quarterback issues. Aaron Donald was banged up in the playoff run. So I think in the NBA, it absolutely works. You can stack all your chips around LeBron and AD and, like, we'll figure the rest out. Kind of what Brooklyn is doing. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. So I just think they give up way too much. I don't know. Unless Stafford is unbelievable, seems like they're a bit too concentrated here. It was, it was a great and deal. I, and, I, and, I, and I hope I'm right. It's a great deal for the Lions. Yeah, it's a lot to get back for a guy who put it out there that he wanted to be traded. So to get two first-round picks and a third back and a year of Jared Goff, we'll see what he has. I, I think he's going to be terrible uh, outside of McVay's system. I think McVay covered up a lot of what he did wrong. Uh, so we'll see how he does in Detroit. But they did get a lot back. So I think, you know, we'll see. But I think you hit on a good point. They're not going to have a lot of depth. They have six players next year, Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Stafford, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Andrew Whitworth. That account for nearly $110 million of the cap. And the cap is expected to go down because of COVID and not having fans and all that. So if you're playing six guys out, you have to be perfect on filling out the rest of this roster, the fringe guys. You have to hit on your late-round draft picks. You have to hit on these cheap uh, free agent signings, and we'll see if they're able to do that. They have been pretty good at that the last couple of years. You look at guys like Leonard Floyd they brought in, Dante Fowler, these high first-round picks that were kind of let go by their initial team. It didn't work out. They take a flyer on them, put them in their defensive system, and it works out. So if they're able to continue to do that, there's no reason to think this team can't be the best team in the NFC and be one of the top Super Bowl contenders, as their odds indicate. But like you said, if Stafford goes down, they have injuries on their offensive line. If Ramsey gets hurt, they're in a lot of trouble because they're so concentrated at the top. So they're going to have to be absolutely perfect putting together the, those fringe-type guys uh, going into next year. And they did give up a lot, but I will say they've been doing this, and they were already in a spot where they're in a win-now mode. So I think to upgrade Stafford, if they, you don't value draft picks at all or having roster balance – with salary, you you make this trade, right? Because Stafford is an upgrade over Goff. How significant, we're going to see. But I think they're already in this mode where they didn't care about draft picks. They don't care about the cap. They're just trying to win now. So I can't blame them in that sense. Yeah, yeah, they're going for it. And with the way that roster is set up, might as well see how good McVay can be. Um, but let's, let's get to the Super Bowl. That's enough on Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions here. Super Bowl 55, this little tidbit, Tyler. Over 23 million Americans are expected to bet $4.3 billion on the Super Bowl, according to the American Gaming Association. So hopefully we'll help that 23 million out that probably listened to this show. So that'll be good for us ratings-wise. We're going off um, the lines here at DraftKings. Um, so the Chiefs are a three-point favorite. We know the game is in Tampa. Everyone and their brothers heard that story at this point. The total's 56 and a half. Tell you, these two teams already met once in week 12. The Chiefs won that one 27-24. If 
final score a bit deceiving. The Chiefs went up 17-0. They're up 27-10 with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Basically coasted from there. So the final score, and I remember because we previewed that game on the Pick'em Pod, I took the Bucks. They backdoored covered, and I was like, that is the cheapest cover of all time. Um, so now we get to see that they're back in action. Brady's 10th Super Bowl. He's the home team. I saw, you know how on Twitter, like, people's other, like, tweets come up. He's been at home in Tampa by himself for two weeks now, prepping for this game. He's incredibly focused. Where's your head at here, Tyler, with this one? Yeah, I saw that about his family as well. So you have to think he's in the perfect mindset. It's 10th Super Bowl. He made a comment during media day, what we talked about at the beginning, without having the traditional media day with everyone there. He's like, this is a lot different than my nine other ones. So that's a huge flex um, on his part. As far as this game goes, it's tough. Like you said, that game earlier in the year, I think the final score is misleading. Um, the Bucks really were never in that game. The Chiefs got on them right away. 17 nothing in the first quarter. Tyreek Hill had 200 receiving yards in the first quarter, all on Carlton Davis. So I would hope the Bucks uh, make some adjustments there and maybe double-team Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning the Bucks though, plus three. I like getting the points with Brady. It feels like I don't know, this has been such a weird year in general, and it's been a weird year for the Bucks where they've looked like okay at certain points, they've looked terrible, they finished the season well. Even throughout this playoff run, in every game, they don't look great, but they somehow pull it out. Their defense, what we've talked about, just has like blue chip guys that can make huge plays. In their three playoff games this year, they've forced seven turnovers. Off of those turnovers, they've scored 41 points. They've had six touchdowns out of off those seven drives and the other one they kneeled out the clock when they played the uh Saints. So this defense is absolutely loaded and the Chiefs are banged up on their offensive line and that is an issue. Um their left tackle Eric Fisher got hurt in the championship game. They have to shift some guys around and you know Mahomes is great and they're gonna put up points, but I think JPP, Sue, all those guys, Vita Vey is fully back now too. I think that's gonna cause the issue. So I like the Bucks plus three. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to be on opposite sides here. I absolutely feel the the Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher being out is definitely a big deal for this Chiefs team. I think the bottom line is, if you look at what the Bucks are great at, they're great run-stopping defense. I think they're obviously going to be able to get more pressure on Mahomes. They're able to uh, get to Rodgers a bit in the NFC Championship game. I think it the matchup lines up pretty well, though. For the Chiefs, their rushing defense is not great, but I'm not not super bullish on what Tampa's done on the run game overall. Fournette's picked it up recently, but I just think when it comes down to this Chiefs offense, they find ways to put up 31, 35 points. I think they're going to do that. I mean, the game versus the Bills, they were down 9 nothing, and then blink of an eye, they hit you with a flurry of points. In this spot in Tampa... I agree with you. Weird year. Tom Brady, could it be another one? Sure, maybe. But at the end of the day, I just think this Bucks team, that matchup in Week 12, the Chiefs, like, stepped on their throats so quickly. Um, I think we're going to see more of the same. I just don't trust that we're going to see Brady be able to put together a full game. And Andy Reid has two weeks to prepare with that for being down his top two tackles. If one of those guys went down in the game, I think it would be a bigger deal. But the fact that he has two weeks to scheme up a game plan 
And I anticipate that Mahomes is going to throw and throw a lot, which we're going to get into props, obviously, here in a little bit. But I think it's going to be a lot of quick passes to kind of negate that pass rush. And I just trust these playmakers on the outside. You look at it, too. Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire played a bit in the AFC Championship game. They're getting Sammy Watkins back, who was a beast last year in the Super Bowl. They have McCole Hardman. We know what Travis Kelsey can do. The Bucks have a lot of guys, but the Chiefs have more guys. Uh, I don't know. I think the Bucks, if you're just matching up weapons, actually are pretty even with the Chiefs. The Chiefs guys are different. No one has a Tyree kill, really, on their team. Scotty Miller said he's one of the fastest guys in the league. Yeah, um, well, we'll see. We'll see if that's true on Sunday. Um, don't don't you seen... think there's a there's a little bit too of like a Mahomes? His basically only real loss of his career was to Brady and the Pats on that offside in the AFC Championship game. Don't you think there's going to be a piece of him that's going to want to get over over that hump and, and take out Brady here? This, this is a big narrative Super Bowl, I would say. You have Brady going for his seventh ring. Can he win one without Belichick? Can he be the GOAT, which, I mean, he already is. He's got to suit both a new team. Can Mahomes take down the GOAT? Is Mahomes a new GOAT? Can Mahomes surpass Brady's career accomplishments? Like, you're hearing it all. Tony, Tony Romo said if Mahomes didn't win this game that he would never surpass Brady. That's pretty insane. Um, this is his third season, right, as a starter. He's already in his second Super Bowl, and as you said, could have been three straight if it wasn't for D Ford or a couple other plays in that game. So he's incredible. But I just think everyone is lining up with the Chiefs. It seems so obvious. I think I saw almost 70% of the money is on, or the public is on the Chiefs on Action Network. So everyone's aligning their ducks with the Chiefs. And we've seen this with Tom Brady teams before, right? In the Super Bowl, when they played the Giants both years, everyone was on the Patriots. When they played the Eagles a few years ago, how is Nick Foles going to beat the Patriots? They did. So I think we've seen crazier things. And as I said, the the uh, Bucks weapons do match up with what Kansas City has on their offense. Godwin, Evans, A.B. is questionable, but Scotty Miller, Cameron Brate, playoff Leonard Fournette has been pretty good. Ronald Jones, if he's healthy, like I think their pieces will be able to match up. And the Bucks defense, like you said, I think Mahomes will get the ball out quickly, but if they are able to hold their uh, receivers down a little bit, they should be able to get after uh, Mahomes in the Packers playoff game and the Packers offensive line is better. And that was a banged up offensive line Green Bay had. They pressured him 13 times, Rodgers, sacked him five times, hit him eight times. If you're able to get after Mahomes, force him into one mistake, two mistakes, that's all you might need. Because I think this is going to be a high scoring game. The Bucks have scored 45% of their points in the playoffs off of turnovers. And that's obviously a fluky stat a little bit, but they could just force Mahomes into one mistake. That's all it might take. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I got a Super Bowl trivia fact for you. In right. Brady's nine Super Bowls with the Patriots, how many points do you think they scored in the first quarter combined? Oh, it's very low. They, like, don't score points. So combined across nine games, I'll uh, say 20, 20 points. Three. They scored, Three? Yeah, so Brady scored three points combined in the nine first quarters he's played. So if the play I kind of like in this game is yeah, taking maybe the first quarter under, taking the Bucks first quarter under if you get that, and then taking the live over. Because I think the scoring in this game 
will pick up eventually and it'll become a shootout. But that yeah, that is a crazy stat. That's that's insane. One of one of the props we're gonna do like a snake draft prop in a little bit. I one of my plays. I like that. The thing is, I think the Chiefs their defense we're like, ah, the Chiefs defense they stink, the Achilles heel, the run defense definitely is. But the Bucks are set up as a, as a passing offense. That's ultimately how they beat you. And the Bills, last week, they came in, right, similar kind of passing-focused team. And this Chiefs defense gives Spagnuolo credit. Like, he's able to dial it up. And in big games, it feels like the Chiefs are able to get pressure on opposing teams' quarterbacks. They sacked Josh Allen four times last week. They're in his face a lot. Brady's obviously a lot less mobile. Um, so I think they're going to be able to fluster Brady a little bit here um, and get to him. I really, I don't know. I, I just think this Chiefs defense, they, they come to play in the last couple of years when they need to. I, I agree. Their defense gets a lot of crap in the regular season, and they do have some games where they look terrible. But when it matters, they turn it on. But everyone talks about the way to beat the Chiefs is ball control, ball control. The only game they lost this year when Mahomes played was versus the Raiders, and that was a shootout. So you're going to have to put up points. You're not going to be able to hold them down this entire game. And like we said, their defense is better than expected, but I think the Bucks are going to have to come out and be aggressive. You're going to have to match points with them because, like we saw in the Bills game last week, they scored six straight possessions, the Chiefs, to end the game. They had a possession at the end of the first half where they kneeled it, which you don't count. Other than that, they had six straight possessions where they scored and then the game ended. So you're going to have to put up points versus them. And I did um, some deep dive analysis. I read, you know, some great articles on this. And one area of weakness the Chiefs do have defensively that the Bucks should target, and they started to do it in the second half of that game uh, in Week 12. And maybe this is what Tony Romo saw when he predicted that this would be the Super Bowl matchup, and we all kind of laughed at him, was the Chiefs' defense is good at guarding receivers out wide, so on the boundaries, but in the slots, they're, they're pretty weak. So the Bucks had a 64% success rate when targeting receivers in the slots in that game compared to 29% out wide for almost 10 yards per attempt. Chris Godwin specifically was targeted nine times in that game, eight from the slot, and they had a 75% success rate. And in the second half of the season, the Chiefs um, had a 55% success rate allowed on slot receivers, 45% out wide. So that's where the, the Bucks are going to have to attack in this game, up the middle. And I think they have the horses to do that with Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin, Cameron Bray, Gronk, if he could come alive at any point. So this the Bucks offense is going to attack this Chiefs defense. It has to be up the middle, not down the sidelines, kind of what we saw with Buffalo do. They couldn't really get Stephon Diggs going in that game until the end. Cole Beasley had some success early, but he's also playing on a broken leg. So the, right. the Bucks' plan of attack has to be kind of up the middle. Right, right. And I think that sets up high level pretty well for the Chiefs. That game plan is going to be pound the middle. That's why I do like it's not one of my top three props we'll give out, but as a flyer, Cameron Brait is receiving yards over. It's at DraftKings at 29 and a half. He's had 16 targets over the last three games and has put up he put up 80 yards receiving versus Washington, 50 versus New Orleans, and I think he's going to have to step up. And it's kind of more reliable than Gronk at this point in his career. Um, but, yeah, I think we're – we're on opposite sides in terms of the game. It was always going to come to this. I'm also leaning on the over. I just think, I just think the Chiefs are are unstoppable, and I think the Bucks are going to be able to get points as well. 
I think it's going to be a similar kind of total to what we saw last week out of uh, the Bills Bills Chiefs game. Yeah, and a couple other stats. So in that first game, Mahomes was pressured 14 times, almost a little more than a quarter of his dropbacks, and their offensive line is more banged up. So you'd think the Bucks would have similar success in this game. And just a broader stat, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, they'd be only the second team to win the Super Bowl with an under 500 against the spread record. The other one was the 2012 Ravens with Joe Flacco. Um, so Mahomes and Joe Flacco, two elite quarterbacks. But before we get to our props uh, draft, let's get to something that happens before the game, a great bet that's offered every year on the Super Bowl, the length of the national anthem. On DraftKings, they have it at over under or yeah, over under a minute fifty seven seconds. It's Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church doing a duet. Yeah, um, you're I have favorite. a pretty strong indeed. I have a pretty strong feeling on this, Cody, but I'll let you go first. Interesting. I didn't even see it posted on DraftKings, but it's good to know it's on there as well. I saw two minutes, so I get minute fifty seven, which is even better. Uh, Tyler did a little research on Jasmine Sullivan, got some data points on her. So as background for you, if you somehow don't remember the 2016 NHL Stadium Series outdoor game, Chicago Blackhawks, Minnesota Wild, outdoors in Minneapolis, cold. She did a minute 39 seconds, which is one of the shortest national anthems since 2012 when Kelly Clarkson actually did a little bit shorter. Um, The angle I like here, though, is the fact that it's two of them. So I think it's going to be longer as a result of that. In 2006, we had another collaborative Super Bowl national anthem with Aretha Franklin and Aaron Neville. Beautiful, I'm sure. Uh, that one for two minutes and nine seconds. I like the over in this one. Two people, they're both going to try and, like, kind of, I think, be the alpha and put their stamp on it, which means more seconds, which means the over. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I I agree with you. I really like the over. So if you look at the last eight anthems, it would be split four and four on this time over under. But I agree with some of the points you made. The fact that it's a duet, they're going to be feeling each other out. They don't know what each other likes doing. And also I saw they hadn't met uh, up to six days ago. There's an article in CBS Sports. They hadn't Mm -hmm. met yet. So they're going to be working out some kinks. And also one of the things Jasmine Sullivan talked about is it's the 30th anniversary of Whitney Houston's, uh, she sang the national anthem 30 years ago at the Super Bowl in Tampa also. And that mm. was a very powerful one that happened um, during the Gulf War. And that was kind of the start of, I think, people really paying attention to the Super Bowl or the national anthem in the Super Bowl. That time it went for a minute 56, so slightly under. But I think given everything that's cool. happened this past year, it's been a tough year, she wants to kind of, emanate what she did when Houston did you add Eric Church apparently he might have a guitar with him so that could throw things mm-hmm. off I love the over I think this is going long they're gonna make it very emotional and try to you know unity show unity with it so I love the over I think this is going into the twos yeah it might be a couple of awkward like feeling each other out like out kicking it to you you know we might we might get an extra second or two there so we're in agreement Hammer the over. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll dive back in with more player props. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. 
As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, Cody, now let's move on to our prop uh, snake draft we want to do here. We're going to take three props each, our three favorite, and then after we'll give out some of our honorable mentions. I'm very excited for this. I ran my models. I almost broke my computer because I was computing so much, but I'm feeling pretty good about my top three. Not sure if we're going to have any overlap here. Uh, Do you want to go first, or how how do you want to do this? You know, Tyler, to reward you for for a season of of you doing so well on your lock of the week, um, I'll let you get started, and then I'll I'll take the next two. And and the game picks as well, I beat you. Did you? You sure? Yeah, but thanks for being honorable. We'll edit that out, yeah. Thanks for being honorable once in your life. Um, So my first first, uh, prop that I really like, and I mentioned him, uh, before previewing the game, I really like Chris Godwin over 77 and a half yards in this game at minus 106 on DraftKings. So pretty good line you're going to get there. And for the reason I mentioned that, the Chiefs' weakness of their defense is guarding slot receivers, and that's where Godwin primarily lines up. So on his 112 targets he had this year, 82 of those were from the slot, which is 73%, so almost three quarters of his routes. And in the second half of that Week 12 game, Brady targeted receivers 14 times. 11 were from the slot, 64% success rate, 11 yards per attempt. So that's where the Bucks are going to have to attack the Chiefs. As I said earlier, when the Chiefs played the Bills a couple weeks ago, Stephon Diggs didn't really do anything in that game because the Chiefs' corners on the outside are actually pretty good. So the Chiefs, are, the Bucks are going to have to attack from up the middle. Um, so I like Godwin over 77 and a half yards, four of his last five games. He's gone over this, um, number. I think he's kind of become the go-to guy there when they need a big play versus the Packers. He had a huge, uh, down the field catch in the first half to get some momentum going. So I really like Godwin over 77 and a half. Also his catches are five and a half too, which I like as well. Not as a top three pick, but I love Godwin. I think he's going to attack in the slot and have a big game. Yeah, yeah, I love that pick. It seems like he's kind of become the Julian Edelman for Brady on this team. It took a while to get there, but he's kind of settled into that mold. Mike Evans seems to be the red zone guy. They go to Brady. Obviously, Antonio Brown being in the mix is a factor, but at the end of the day, when Brady's going to need the third and eight completion, I think Godwin is the top guy in his mind, so I like that number a lot. And especially if we think this game's going to be a shootout, And if they're coming from behind, he's going to put up yardage. Um, My first pick, I'm also going a receiver over. I'm going with Tyreek Hill over 92 and a half receiving yards. Week 12, this guy went off 13 receptions, 269 yards, three touchdowns. And again, that was really in like two and a half quarters because they really stopped playing at the end. So this could have gotten out of hand. And more recently, 
he's just the guy on this team. It's him and Kelsey, but in terms of the wide receiver, the guy that can break the long play multiple times a game. Versus Cleveland, he had eight catches for 110 yards. We know Mahomes got hurt in that one. And versus Buffalo, he added on another nine for 172. He's obviously going to see probably some double teams in this one, but I still love his over at 92 and a half. Yeah, I really like that play as well. And we talked about all the weapons the Chiefs have, and they do have them. But primarily, as far as receiving goes, it's all Hill and Kelsey, really. You look at the targets during the playoffs. Out of 76 uh, passes, Mahomes and Chad Henney have thrown. 21 targets have gone to Hill. 25 have gone to Kelsey. So pretty much half of the, those targets, over half, are going to those two guys. So I really like that. He's going to have a big game. Does he have 200 yards in the first quarter again? Probably not. I think the Bucks will have a better game plan this time, but you can't keep that guy down. At any point, he can explode. And we saw in that Bills game, they threw in like a four-yard curl route, and he just juked everyone out and ran 40 yards down the field. So mm-hmm. I like that. Honestly, getting any number under 100 for Kelsey and Hill feels like a steal at this point. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, my second one, it's a little bit off the radar here, Tyler, but – Let me see what you think. Uh, Tampa to punt more times in this game than the Chiefs, minus 143. Can you name the Chiefs punter? Tommy Townsend. You've done some homework then. Um, But so far this season, the Chiefs have only averaged half a punt per game. The, The Bucks have averaged three per game. I just think this is uh, minus 143. You're going to have to pay a little bit. But I think it's it's worth paying the juice for just what we've seen out of this Chiefs offense and specifically what they did versus the Bucks in Week 12. And they're not going to stop in this game. So I love this one. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, good on you for finding that. But I, I really you. do like that one. One of the ones I had, you said total punts in the game, right? Total punts, head to head. Mm-hmm. One of the props I wrote down, not in my top five or six, but team to pun first was the Bucks at minus 143 as well. So I'm, I'm definitely in alignment with you that, as we said, the Bucks have a good offense. They've scored 30 or more points in six straight games, but a lot of that is predicated on the defense making plays, and they get into rhythms where they look super terrible. You know, Brady threw those three picks in the second half of the Green Bay game. Like, I don't see the Chiefs punting more than twice. I feel like all their drives end with a score or maybe a turnover. But yeah, I I really like that one. Okay. What's the what's the what's the Chiefs line on that? The Chiefs line. Let me see. In terms of the head-to-head. So now, actually, Tyler, uh, listeners get even more value than when I was doing my homework. So Bucks are minus one forty-one to have the most punts. The Chiefs are plus one twelve. Yeah, I, I like that one as well. The, the Bucks' offense is not flawless throughout games unless they've been playing weaker competition. So I really like that one. Bradley Pinion, yep. ex-49er, uh, is the mm-hmm. uh, Bucks punter. Proud of him. So the next one, so now my turn, how a snake draft works. I have the next two picks. Um, so the next one I, I like is kind of a random one as well. Will the game be tied after 0-0? Yes is minus 130. I like I like that. Um, as we've seen in all Brady Super Bowls, they all come down to the wire. They're all super close games. None of his have really been blowouts. Like The biggest 
the most decisive one was probably the Eagles one, the first Eagles one when they repeated. Other than that, they're all super close until the fourth quarter. So I really like that. And especially if this game gets into a shootout, I think we're going to see them trading touchdowns, field goals, whatever it may be. So I like that at minus 130. Um, If you think it's going to be a close game, this is a good play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there's the bottom line is both these defenses have their strengths, but I still think they're flawed. Um, And it's it's they're going to be trading points. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl last year was tied at 10-10 at halftime, so it's pretty common. It was 3-3 in the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Yes. That was very boring, but they get there. So I'm sure if you look back through the history of the games, Eagles-Patriots, they traded scores throughout that game, so it's pretty common. Um, and then the next one, I, I really like this one. Uh, JPP over half a sack is plus 120. He was awesome in the game versus the Packers. I believe he had two sacks in that game. Him and Shaq Barrett were all over Rodgers in that game. And again, between him, Sue, Vita Vey being back, the linebackers, David, um, who's the other guy? Devin White. They have, a, they have a great front seven. It really didn't get talked about enough until the playoffs here. They have a great front seven. They're going up against a banged-up offensive line. JPP in the Packer game went up against Billy Turner, the Packers' backup left tackle, Bakhtiarder's hurt. So he's going up against another left tackle who they're moving the right tackle, uh, the Chiefs, to left tackle. And obviously he's played, but left tackle is very different when you're covering blindside. So it is a backup in that sense. 65% of his snaps this year, JPP, are against left tackle. So I think he's going to have a really nice game. And they're going to try to get pressure, obviously, after Mahomes and having Shaq Barrett and all those other guys. There's so many guys to focus on. You can't really double-team anyone on this team. So I think all of that combined will lead to JPP sack at plus 120. And I I think if this Bucs team is going to win, someone's going to need to make a play on the defensive line to help force a turnover. And JPP's been playing great. So he's talking a little crap, I believe, in the media. So I love it. So I love him to get one sack in this game. Yeah, I like JPP on this one. I also like Shaq Barrett at plus 120 as well. Both those guys have been flying around um, for this Bucks team, and I like to get plus value on either of those. Feels like a bit of a, a bit of value, just given we know the injury situation with the Chiefs. Um, rounding out our snake draft here, you kind of gave the lead into this to this bet here, Tyler. But I. I'm kind of shocked that this is even a thing. I guess it makes sense, just given math, right? But uh, highest scoring half to be the second half is minus 112. It's even odds either way. Um, you said it. That Tom Brady and the Pats, they never score early in the games. I get it. He's on a new team. But Super Bowls always start slow. We see it time and time again. These teams are nervous. It takes time to get into the flow of the game. And since the halftime is longer, gives the coaches to make even more adjustments. And when you're looking at a guy like Tom Brady and an offensive guru like Andy Reid, I think at minus 112, this is a no-brainer. I do like that, but my, I was looking at that as well earlier. My one fear is if the, if this goes similarly to the first game, the Chiefs explode and then kind and of cruise, which we've it. seen them do. They could sit on it, but it is the Super Bowl. They're going to try to run it up, so... I think that's good value for a bet that I feel like typically does hit, right? The second right. halves are more explosive. And as I said with the Brady stat, they always start slowly. 
Um, I also wanted to go quickly back to my JPP thing. So he said he didn't know who Mike Remmers was, who's filling in for Eric Fisher at left tackle. Very disrespectful. But Mike right. Remmers, he's played in a Super Bowl before. He was on the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 50, and he was tasked with blocking Von Miller, who uh, played pretty great in that game. He allowed three sacks, the strip sack fumble that re- uh, resulted in a touchdown. Von Miller was MVP of that game. So I feel even better about uh, this JPP bet. I feel like I'm stealing money, so wanted to give that one out. But I do like uh, your second half play as well. What about any honorable mention ones you got quickly off the yeah, cuff? Sure. Quick hitters, Kelsey, anytime touchdown, minus 175. You have to pay up a little bit, but he's literally scored a touchdown last six games, eight out of ten. Um, Mahomes over. Actually, let's not get on that one. Uh, either team, two-point conversion, yes, is plus 230. Um, I think as converted or attempt one converted plus 230. I think as we've seen, if we're expecting points in this and weird stuff to happen, it feels like this always happens in the Super Bowl. I think you're going to get at least one attempt here. And this is a long shot for the listeners, but you know what? It's it's worth a sprinkle on my mind if your book offers it. DraftKings has it. Any quarterback to record 500 or more passing yards pays out 16 to 1. Mahomes in the first matchup threw for 462. Tampa has a top-ranked run defense by DVOA. It would take a lot, but for a 16-1 to payout, crazier things have happened. That's one where DraftKings is just laughing in their lab about how they're able to get suckers to bet on that. But, <laughs> it's 16-1, you know, 462, and he stopped playing, essentially. I'll eat crow. I'll eat crow if that ends up hitting. Okay. Um, but, but some I like as well. Cam Brate, anytime touchdown. I think you said this earlier. Plus 260. Kelsey, over 94 and a half yards. I don't know if all books are offering this, but DraftKings does. And this is a wacky one, but I really like it. Any kick to hit either the crossbar or an upright is plus 375. We've seen it, we saw Harrison Bucker struggle versus the Browns to make some kicks. Um, it's supposed to rain. It might rain a lot, actually, on Sunday. So if the weather becomes an issue, that could uh, make things interesting. And a plus 375, I think that's a super fun bet to root for. Um, any other ones I have here? Um, Chris Godwin and Cameron Brait, both the scores 11 to 1. I like that as a little sprinkle. Uh, first play of the game, a run is even money. So I'm loading up. I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I have another one for you. Given the Chiefs' slow starts, you can make a halftime, full-time bet on DraftKings. So basically, who's up at the half, who's up at the end of the game. Uh, Bucks to be up at the half, Chiefs to win the game is plus 550. So, something to think about, okay? Yeah, I like that one. Um, So let's move on quickly. First touchdown of the game, very fun bet. I actually hit this last year with Mahomes, and that is another one I'm kind of circling this year. He's 18-1, to um, another long shot. Cameron Bray, he's getting a ton of love on this pod. 22-1, to like yeah. Cam, uh, Chris Godwin potentially a 12-1, to and Kelsey plus 650. I mean, he's a beast. Uh, any other guys you have there? Any other players left for me to choose from? I think I left you... Um, 
Scotty Miller. Uh, yeah, I like Leonard Fournette for this one. He's a plus 1050. I also like his anytime touchdown, plus 120. He scored a touchdown in their last three games, and the Chiefs' rush defense is garbage. Uh, I also like Mike Evans. I kind of like loading up on the Bucks for this first touchdown. I know I like the Chiefs for the game, but we see that the Chiefs are slow slow starters. Mike Evans is 10-1, first-time touchdown. He's their guy in the red zone. Um, So I think that is also worth a look um, as well. So lastly, let's wrap up with MVP picks. Tyler, so going from your script, if you think the Bucs are going to cover, that probably means you think they're going to win. As a result, who's your... Who's your MVP? Obviously Brady, right? But who else? Yeah, yeah. I think Brady. Brady's plus two ten. So if you think the Bucks are gonna win, you should probably just bet on Brady because there's a, a good chance he has a uh, impact on the game. So I think at plus two ten, that's really nice. A long shot guy on the Bucks, Shaq Barrett, fifty to one. If he just has an insane game, this Chiefs offensive line can hold up, and he gets a strip sack or, or has a few sacks. It's possible. I think. I hate bringing it up, but I think Nick Bosa probably would have been the MVP last year. The 49ers didn't fucking choke that. And then a guy on the Chiefs, other than Mahomes, just to give out Tyree Kill at 12 to 1. It's hard for a receiver to win, especially if it's a shootout, but Hill is so dynamic that they could run like a sweep. Like you said, they're going to run a lot of quick action to negate the offensive line issues. So if they run some sweeps for him or some reverses, he could get some yards that Mahomes wouldn't have. So a 12 to one, I think it's a nice flyer. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're looking at long shots, like if I'm throwing darts, this game gets weird. It plays into the bucks fortune. I think for me, I think the chiefs are going to win. I like them to cover on DraftKings right now. Mahomes is minus one Oh six to win MVP feels too obvious, which is why I'm nervous about it. But like, I think nine times out of ten, probably even more. Chiefs win this game. He's probably winning MVP. I agree with your Tyreek Hill take. I just think it's going to take a lot to get there. It's going to have to be a similar Week 12 performance, and that's like a bulk of Mahomes' production, and maybe he has a couple turnovers. Um, But if you're looking for a long shot, I also like Shaq Barrett or Devin White on the Bucs. If you get a couple couple sacks, maybe a pick six, a fumble – if you're going to throw darts, that's that's the place to throw at the Bucks defensive guys. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's going to take a lot for either Mahomes or Brady not to win MVP because, as I yeah. said, this is the narrative Super Bowl. Brady the GOAT, Mahomes a new GOAT. Uh, team hasn't repeated since 03-04. Brady was a quarterback of those teams. Can Mahomes do that? So there's, there's going to be a ton of narratives thrown around. So for either of those guys not to win MVP, it's going to take a lot. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But so we are we're on opposite sides. It it had to come down to this. It's only it's only right. Um, so Tyler, we'll uh, we'll tweet out all of our plays. We gave out a lot here, a lot of props as always flying around. But I think we definitely have a good good group here to go off of um so we will be back sunday night after the super bowl with our recap analysis and talk through how all these winners went
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.